So if you are new to us at the Oak or you're visiting us this morning, or perhaps you just need a little reminder, our vision as a church is to join God's big mission to see this world transformed through Jesus's power to change lives. We don't want to just be a nice little social club. We believe and love Jesus And we want to do our part in sharing the good news of what he has done and what he continues to do. And that's worked out by us loving God, loving his family, this church here, and loving his world, those that don't know him yet. But scaling it back even further, there's a whole bunch of things we really value as a church things we feel he's really placed on our hearts. And that's why we're having this short season teaching into those values. All of them come first and foremost, though, through the equipping of his Holy Spirit. So you'll notice as we look at our our little picture up there, they are all, we are a spirit-filled people who... So Lucy opened up our season a couple of weeks ago with we are a spirit-filled people who overflow with generosity. Freely you've received, freely give. And then Matt opened up God's word with us last week, encouraging us to be a spirit-filled people who engage with God's word and leading. We want to hear from God. God wants communication with us. He wants relationship with us. He'll speak to us through his scripture. He'll speak in our heart languages through a whole bunch of other mediums to us. And this morning, we're going to be looking at what it is for us to be a spirit-filled people who seek to release each other. And with a particular focus this morning, because that can mean a whole bunch of things, what it looks like for us to release each other, to live full lives equipped by God for his glory. Why do we want to live like this? Because we believe that Jesus sets the ultimate example of how to live. And we want to be released into the fullness of life that he has on offer for us. We believe that we are a people that are called to be transformed by Jesus and not conformed this world. And that's a massive part of us being a blessing to others. So as a spirit-filled people, we come to him for our equipping. As John's gospel tells us, for God gives a spirit without limit. So this morning, we are going to have a little look at what it means for us to be released, released into activity with God, released from things that bind us or hold us back, And it's important to think about God's best for us first before we swap into how we seek to release others. It's a little bit like when we're on an aeroplane and they give that emergency announcement at the start, don't they, about, you know, if if for any reason the oxygen masks drop down at any stage, make sure you're getting your own one on before you seek to assist anybody else. We need to be breathing deeply from the Holy Spirit that brings life to us in order to help and to serve others. Otherwise, we're just going to struggle on in our own strength and potentially massively add to the problem. 
Uh, I don't know about you, but I generally learn best when I uh, scribble down some notes and when I ask questions of myself. So I'll pause at a few points this morning and ask some questions of us. I find it's the best way. If I feel God's been speaking, sometimes I can get really busy and I forget to kind of unpack that and think about what that might look like in my everyday life. Uh, So I encourage you, if you've got a phone and you can write notes in it, or if you've got a scrap in your handbag and a pen and you can scribble down maybe some questions or um, some things that you think God might be speaking to you this morning, I encourage you to do that. Uh, We believe that God wants to communicate with us. He wants to bring us challenges and encouragements. Um, And also, if I'm at the front and you're all on your phones, it would be really encouraging for me to think, you never know, they might be writing some notes about what God's speaking, they're not just playing games. (laughs) Anyway, let's pray and then we will kick off. Oh, Father, we, we thank you that you are so good. We thank you that you love us, that you have a best for us. We know that we probably come this morning with a whole bunch of things bouncing around in our head. Um, But we pray that you would just help those things to be quiet, that we would be able to tune in to what it is that you are speaking. Uh, Lord, we want to just come with an expectancy that we're going to encounter you in your word today. Uh, We thank you that your word is alive and active, that it seeks to release us into living the full lives that you planned for us and doing the things that you have planned for us to do. We pray that we would be encouraged as your people as we engage with you this morning. Um, The stuff that's just of me, Lord, just blow away on the wind, but the stuff that's of you, plant deep, bring challenge through it, um, and have us grow in wonderful and fruitful ways for your glory, Lord. Amen. So our biggest role in releasing each other has to be to release each other to connect deeply with God and his love for us to come to him for our strengthening and our nourishment so that when we think about what it means to be released, to live out our faith, we're in a good place to know that it's not our energy or our determination or our striving that impresses God, but our desire to live in right relationship with him. The God who made you and loves you wants you to live a fruitful life. Because that fruit tastes of kingdom goodness and kingdom kindness and kingdom generosity and kingdom compassion and a whole load of other wonderful kingdom things. And it's what our starving world is crying out for. But that fruit grows in our life through closeness to Jesus and the action of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit working in us to draw those things out. We don't need to burn ourselves out with effort and striving. He wants us to be released, to join in with what he's already doing. That's our vision. What's God doing? Let's get in on that. Because he'll continue to build his church because he loves the oak. He loves her and wants her to prosper even more than we do. He's got plans for her prospering and never to harm her. But he also knows that the method that this stuff happens by is by us finding that right rhythm of enjoying his presence and being released into activity with him rather than just for him. So what might our role in seeking to release each other in this way look like? Now, if you're a Christian here this morning, I want you to just think for a moment about who are the people that have really influenced you and released you to live a life of faith. 
And if that's not where you are yet this morning, and you're still exploring questions about faith, who are the people that support you in doing that? What specific things did they do that were helpful? Now, often, those people for us are not the big, internationally renowned speakers, but the people that made time for us, the ones that listened to us, the ones that asked us a bunch of good questions, the youth leader that didn't mind if we just rocked up in the middle of them serving their kids tea and just had us round and talked with us. You can be that someone for someone else too. You probably already are that someone for somebody else. You can have a big impact in how you invest and give your time. Perhaps for you that looks like how you're going to support others in friendship through life group or community group if you're a part of our family here at the Oak. Maybe it's in another trusted friendship that God has given you. You might want to think, who are the people for me that I trust enough to help me grow, that I know love me and want the best for me, that I want to speak truth to me? Maybe it means we're going to be prepared to ask good questions of others and encourage them to ask tough questions of us. Are you regularly spending time with God? When are you praying? What's, what's going really well? Are you using your time well? How's that thing going that's, that's kind of trouble for you? How are you coping with that? Is there somebody that you need to forgive? Are you getting on okay with living a generous lifestyle? Maybe the scariest of all, what's the question that you really don't want me to ask you? Who do we trust enough to give permission for that one? Because closeness to Jesus and openness to the activity of the Holy Spirit is the only way we'll have the strength to accomplish all the things that he wants us to do. As we choose to spend time with him, as we seek seek him and his will for our life, the Spirit is the one who equips us for that. So Paul writes a letter to our church in Corinth to encourage them. And in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 6, we find these words explaining that the Spirit is going to equip us all a little bit differently. He says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. That means we can celebrate our diversity. Your uniqueness is for his glory and his purposes. He's a role for you that enables you to live life in all of its fullness as it promises us in John 10.10. And a picture that really helps us to kind of get our heads around the benefits of us all looking a little bit different but being part of something together is the one of the body. Bodies express unity and diversity like nothing else. That it's one, not despite the fact that all the bits are different, but because of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just carrying on this letter that we've just dipped into, has this passage on unity and diversity in the body. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because oh, I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it, for that re it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye can't, cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable unpre uh, are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Do you hear that? Do you hear that we're all different and yet all one? We're all valued and all essential. Christ is the head of the body. He's the one who directs us. But we get to be different body parts with different functions. We're different yet one. And nobody gets to call dibs on being the appendix and saying, I'm not really sure God's given me a role. No one's entirely sure what I'm here for. Because we all get to be this body, and this body will only function properly if all of us play our part. That's how we flourish together. To zoom back into verse 18, it says, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He has placed you in this family for a reason. Unless each of us play our part, the body just doesn't function like it should. If one part of the body isn't performing its function, the whole body feels it. Other parts might kind of try and cover for it a little bit, but it's ultimately going to lead to the body being exhausted and not functioning as it should. The body flourishes when all the parts play their function for the benefit of others. Andrew Wilson, who's written a bunch of books and speaks all over the world, uh, writing on this passage, writes, If you were all I, or all hand, you would not be a body, but a freak show. In the same way, if everyone was a teacher or a miracle worker, but nobody was prophesying, like speaking God's work in, word into a community, or helping, you wouldn't have a church, you would have a madhouse. Just like this, a body, his church, thrives when we recognise and celebrate all the different people that play their role in it thriving. So don't dismiss the gifts that God's given you. Comparison can be fatal. God isn't asking you to be like Joe Bloggs. 
He's asking you to be fully and uniquely the person that he designed you to be. Don't waste time wishing that you had the giftings that somebody else had, but neglecting your own. But do keep asking him if there's more that he wants to give you as you're faithful to the stuff that he's put in you. God doesn't make mistakes. He's gifted you in your uniqueness for his purposes and for his glory. And that extends to the friendship groups that you're in, the families he's placed you in, the way that you use your time. You are uniquely placed for the things that the Holy Spirit wants to use you to do. Where have you got influence? When we hear the word influence now, I don't know if you're similar to me, but mine immediately goes to influencers. The gazillion of kind of Love Island rejects that now make an absolute fortune, telling us all the things that we must buy and we must do, and how we're going to be this perfectly fulfilled, perfect person by just purchasing all these things. And that is where loads of people's marketing budget is now going. They're not spending money on different adverts. They're paying these people to convince you and con you into thinking that what you really need to be happy is to purchase their stuff. But all of us have influence, don't we? If we believe the stats, we will be told that even the most introverted of us will influence at least 10,000 people in our lifetime. But what are you going to do with that? Because it's a little bit like money in the bank. We've got a certain amount of it, and we need to work out how we're going to spend that well. How are you going to be intentional in using your influence with others? How are you going to embrace the gifts that God gave you to use them for his glory? Because when the whole body of the church does that, then everybody benefits, and those outside of the church benefit. But if we don't, the church misses out, and more importantly, the world misses out. Let's seek to be a people that are learning who God made us to be so that we can stop wasting time with comparison and actually really get to enjoy the people that God made us to be. People with other gifts need you, just like you need them. Mother Teresa said, I can do what you cannot do and you can do what I cannot, but together We can do great things. What's God put in you that can be a blessing to others? Because following this on, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That means He's made us uniquely. We are His artwork, and He has prepared things ahead of time for us to get stuck into all the things that he has designed and equipped us to do. And then if we jump into another Paul's letters in Romans chapter 12, we find a whole list of giftings. And it says lots of you are going to get loads of different gifts, but what matters is what you do with it. Whatever you do, do it with all, it's, with all that you've got. Now, I suspect at this moment, a few of you are thinking, well, that sounds great, Ellie, for everybody else besides for me. I can see what you've put in them. I can call out a whole bunch of giftings I see in them. But I feel like maybe he forgot me. And that's why our value isn't be released. It's seek to release each other. God knows that we thrive in community because we all get a very important and incredible role, really, in releasing each other 
sometimes people are just really unsure of what God's put into them, where their gifts are, and we get to call out the good in one another and all the potential that we see. Because we live in a world where there are so many conflicting voices. There are so many other voices that might seek to leave us discouraged or immobilized that we'd lose heart and we'd not feel capable of sharing his goodness with this world. And you know what? Sometimes the loudest and the most destructive of those voices speaking over us is actually our own. The stuff that we seem to find it's perfectly acceptable to speak over ourselves, but we would be mortally offended if somebody said to us. The things that we would be appalled to hear somebody speaking over a kid, but we think it's fine to speak over ourselves as God's kids. There's a real opportunity here for us to start calling out some of those things that are binding one another. The things that make us rule ourselves out for effectiveness in his kingdom and start to call out the best and the incredible potential as we speak truth over one another. <coughs> the truth is our identities are the dearly loved children of God, a people that are forgiven and given a fresh start in him all because of Jesus. We can be a people that try and make sure it's Jesus's voice that dominates when we each think about ourselves and how we might be gifted. John 8 verse 32 says, then you will know the truth and that truth will set you free. If you need any further encouragement, then I encourage you to look at God's bestseller. God's in the habit of using broken and weak people. The Bible is absolutely chock-a-block full of us. And he gets the glory when we learn dependence and we tackle the things that we could never do alone because he's equipped us. We're strengthened, we're equipped by the Spirit for this life in all its fullness that sees people impacted with the love of God. Maybe there's another point to scribble something down. What is it that's stopping you from stepping out into all the freedom and the fullness of life that God wants for you? Or how can you help others to see themselves the way that Jesus sees them? Who are the people around us that feel really inhibited, feeling like, I'm not really sure I've got very much to offer? How can we spare those people on by telling them stories? Like the one of a kid with his little pack lunch who offers it to Jesus. And then Jesus takes the little bit that he offered him and he multiplies it and he feeds 5,000 people. And there's such an abundance from that outpouring that there are baskets and baskets of leftovers. Our pack-ups might feel really small to us, but when they're offered back to God, he does wonderful, beautiful, amazing things with them. He just asks us to be obedient in offering them up. Or perhaps... It's someone that feels like, well, I can see that I have got some gifts. I'm quite good at helping other people out, but they don't feel showy or special. Maybe we need to remind those people that Jesus, who was entitled to all honor and praise, chose to serve. He's the one that stooped down low and washed his disciples' feet. He's the one that saw a need in somebody else and put that ahead of his own He's the one that offered closeness without worrying about the mess, helping others to feel accepted. 
when people walk through the door, who are the people that we know we can trust? Go and find that person, make them feel welcome in this place. It doesn't matter what baggage you arrive with. That is a wonderful and a magnificent gift as we serve each other. Jesus sets us that wonderful example, but will we follow it? Can we release each other's by encouragement to do that? Because Hebrews 3 uh, verse 13, another letter says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know what the great thing about that is? Every day is called today. Every day we can encourage each other. Encourage well, church. Invest time in giving specific encouragements, showing grace for each other as we learn, cheering each other on as we have a go. God is in us, God is for us, and God will continue to gift us. But there are a few really practical implications for how we do this as church when it comes to releasing giftings so that we aren't unintentionally discouraging people. If we want to encourage a culture of being obedient and having a go, we maybe need to lower expectations a little. Nobody is an expert the first time they try something. Spiritual gifts are often a little bit like muscles and they grow by using them. Even the most impressive, world-renowned champion cyclist at some point started out life as a very wobbly and probably pretty nervous kid on a bike who fell off a bunch of times and needed the security of knowing that there was someone there cheering them on, dusting them off after a bump and encouraging them to get up and have another go, pointing out all the ways that they are growing and learning and the progress that's being made. Here we saw the impact of encouragement in COVID when they went back to having football matches and there was nobody in the stadium and it really affected the way that football was played. So I don't know if you remember, but they ended up piping back crowd noise into the stadiums and it really affected the matches. Like we can think that our encouragement is small or taken, but it can make the world of difference to how we thrive in stepping out and in being brave in the things that God asks us to do. So there's one thing that I want to bring, which is about how we make the environment safer for the people that are out on their bike for the first time and feeling a little bit wobbly. Because sometimes we can create hazards that we just don't even see. And that's talking about volume. And we know that the building doesn't lend itself well to it feeling quiet up here. And we know that you guys love each other as a church. We love it that you want to catch up when you see each other. But we do want to ask, when it hits 10.30, when our kids are really championing this by doing a very, very loud countdown to let you all know that the time to stop your conversations has rolled around, can I encourage you to try and stop those conversations? To just press pause on them and pick them up later. Because it has been so wonderful to have new people stepping out in leading worship. We'd love to expand our team of people leading the gathering. But being in up in front of a lot of people doesn't come naturally to many of us. And it can be really daunting enough without addressing a room full of people that are talking and noisily chatting away, which without meaning to, says to them, we think what we've got to say is more important than what you've got to say. I know that's not our heart as a church, and it's probably something that most of you aren't really aware of, 
But as we want to kind of encourage our kids to engage in worship and encourage them to support others in worshipping, it's really tough on our parents too when they're asking their kids to kind of get stuck in and like, well, all the grown-ups are doing it. Um, And the volume just keeps creeping up and creeping up. And the price that we are paying for that is that not only do the people leading from the front have a bit of discouragement or the embarrassment of having to tell you guys to pipe down, but there's also a wider impact too. And that impact is that some of our visitors, when they're coming to grow with us, are kind of pointing it out and going, that's really rude and disrespectful. And some of our friends from within the church aren't wanting to get up to do a notice because they don't want to have to like speak over everybody when it's loud. But more importantly, there's a danger that some of us might be hearing God speak, but the thought of having to get up here when everybody else is still talking is a bit that just makes them go, it's not for me. And that means we might be missing out on stuff that God wants to speak to us as a family. And I know it's not in the heart of the people in this room to, to want to discourage people, but it is an impact. And we all get to have a role in that, so we can come early and have coffee together. We can stay on afterwards or invite people back to ours um, to have a good chat with them, to catch up. We can spend our time in different ways during the week. Um, but we do need to remember that everybody that gets up here is volunteering their time. They're wanting to step out and be obedient. Nobody's paid for anything they're doing on a Sunday. And if we're not careful, they might stop wanting to volunteer their time if it's not a pleasurable experience. So this is something really simple and really practical that we could do as a church to support everybody that's wanting to love and serve. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. It all comes down to love. On this occasion, you can show that love by choosing just to pause your conversation. The other really quick one I want to bring is just on the area of feedback. We want people to get up and have a go. And some of you might feel like you are experts in bringing constructive criticism. You might feel like you have had all the training to bring a poo sandwich. There's something great. There's something not so pleasant in the middle. There's another bit of great thing there. And you might really hope as you deliver that to somebody, they're going to know that you love them, that you're championing them, that you really want them to grow. But often, if that's delivered straight after somebody's done something on a Sunday or stepped out for the first time, they're just feeling really vulnerable. They might not feel your heart for them, and they might forget about the bread of all that good stuff and just receive the middle and go home and beat themselves up about it. If we're asking people to step out into new stuff as a church, we are with them, we are for them. We're either as an SLT kind of encouraging those people or if we assigned other people to do that. If you've got something encouraging please, please bring it. It would really buoy people up. If there's a bit of constructive criticism there, bring it to one of us on the team. We'll find the appropriate way to share it with them in a way that is helpful and healthy and helps them to learn and grow and flourish and want to get back up and have another go. End of lecture. Um, But I think half the time we just don't realise we just don't realise that sometimes the things we do are unhelpful and so sometimes it's helpful when we point that out. I'm happy to be the bad guy for that one. So, Hebrews carries on with this message in uh, chapter 10. And it says, Let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. If he promises you that he wants you to step out and he is with you and he's going to make you bold and courageous and give you what you need, he's going to do it. 
And it carries on. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. I want you to think, just as we're rounding off, who can you specifically encourage this week? Who are you raising up? Who can you stand alongside and encourage? Maybe that's someone with similar gifts that you can get alongside and mentor them or train with them. Maybe um, you've got the gift of seeing gifts in someone else that you don't have and you get to have that joy of being in the body and going, I am rubbish at that, but you're amazing. Let me just champion you. Spend some time praying for them. Drop them a message. Encourage them. Um, I loved Emily Jones' encouragement to us this week on Bible in a Year, where she was like, actually, guys, I think we're pretty good at encouraging each other, but how often do we encourage our friends that don't know Jesus yet? Maybe that's your encouragement this morning, that you'll take away. Who are the people that God's placed you with to encourage? So just as we end, as we're thinking how God might provoke us to respond this morning, how do we look up? How do we release each other to enjoy God and be equipped pointing each other to Jesus? How are we looking in and supporting each other, cheering each other on? What opportunities do we have to do that more and to bring encouragement? How are we looking outwards? Because we must look out to God's world. He's calling us to serve and to bless that many people might come to know him and his life-changing love for them. How can we help that focus us on the needs of our world? the roles each of us have to be released for his kingdom and to see the lost and the broken served. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that I am going to scrap because we're out of time. Um, But in the coming weeks, we are looking towards the staycation. We're talking about multiplication and what that's going to mean for us as a church that sends people and encourages people here in our midst. But God has an important work to do in each of us in releasing us and encouraging us to release others well. Because it's to a life of hope and courage and watching for future signs of the kingdom and celebrating the ones that we already see. But will you dare to live like this? And will you seek to release others in joining you to do that? Because there's no other life I would choose than this. I'm going to leave you with some words again in this letter um, to Hebrews as the band come up to join me as we um, just reflect on what it is that God's speaking. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good work for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be all glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus, we we pray that we would echo those words in our heart. We pray whatever encouragements we need to receive this week, um, whatever prompts we need to encourage others well, Lord, would you release us to do those things. We turn to you knowing that we are only able to by your strengthening Holy Spirit. We pray, equip us afresh today, Lord. Amen.